Weighing Machine was created to help you, the financial advisor or investor, reach your long-term financial goals. Each episode, your hosts, Rusty Vanneman and I, Robin Murray, cut through the market glamour to find the time-tested principles that help investors succeed. The Weighing Machine is inspired by the classic investing saying attributed to Benjamin Graham. The stock market is a voting machine in the short term and a weighing machine over the long run. In other words, emotion and expectations drive short-term market movement, but fundamentals and valuations determine returns over time. Welcome to The Weighing Machine. Enjoy, and as always, let us know what you think. On the podcast today, it's a challenging time for the market, so let's talk common sense and income generation. We'll talk dividends, yield, and income with a firm whose investment approach is grounded in four decades of performance. That's with our guest, John Crawford, Managing Director of Equity Investments, and David Gilmore, Portfolio Manager of Dividend Yield Strategy at Crawford Investment Council. Welcome to The Weighing Machine. I'm Rusty Vanneman. And I'm Robin Murray. Okay, let's start with a look at the markets. We're recording this at the end of August, and we heard from the Fed recently. The markets did not love the news. What are you watching for and expecting at the moment, Rusty? Well, first of all, we are recording this on the last day of August. And so right now, the key driver in the market is actually a driver a lot of the times. But right now, I think investors are trying to think about and respond to what the Federal Reserve might do regarding short-term rates to fight inflation. And, you know, there are some encouraging signs that inflation may have peaked. And I think some investors are therefore thinking the Federal Reserve might pivot and start lowering rates next year. But again, we are a couple days after the Jackson Hole summit. And now some are wondering if the Fed will pivot at all next year. So by the time this podcast is published, I think we'll know a lot more. Either way, short-term rates are currently moving higher. And that has an impact on the markets and on various investment strategies. First, you know, higher yields means we could expect some more pressure in the short-term on valuations, but ultimately expect higher returns given those higher starting yields. It also means that there are some investment strategies which are less sensitive to higher interest rates, including those with higher dividend yields, and they should outperform. And they are. And that includes our guest on the podcast today. All right. Well, let's bring them in. John Crawford is Managing Director of Equity Investments. David Gilmore is Portfolio Manager of Dividend Yield Strategy at Crawford Investment Council in Atlanta, Georgia. John, David, welcome to The Weighing Machine. Thank you very much. We're glad to be here. Appreciate it. You know what's great about having two guests on a podcast is it means we get two songs for our walk-up song playlist that we have on Spotify. This is yes. great. So, so gentlemen, the first question for you is the hardest one of all, and that is we need a walk-up song from each of you to kind of set the stage and set the mood for this interview. Mm-hmm. What are your walk-up songs? All right. Well, I'm actually going to have a little fun here to get it started. So, uh, <laughs> all right. David, David uh, hit it. Sure. I see dividends arising. I see cash flow on the way. Investing in quality and value smooths out the ride along the way. So that's our favorite song here. That's at dang, that is awesome. You know, and I got to think like, obviously, I can find the original to that, but I'd rather have your version on the spot on the playlist. We'll have to figure that one out. We'll have to let our production company figure that out. (laughs) That's awesome. 
All right. Well, let's get into the not as fun stuff, but still fun and interesting. John, let's start with you. Get a bit about your background. You've been with the firm since 1990, I believe. And of course, it was founded by your father. And there are a few other Crawfords on the team. So it's really a family business. Can you tell us more about the firm and its founding? And did you always know that you wanted to work with your family? Yeah, well, thanks. We're very proud of our company. We've been in business for 42 years. And yes, it's a family business, but there's 57 people that work here. So it goes well beyond the Crawford family. We're proud of our independence. We're 100% employee-owned and money management is our only business. So as you mentioned, I've been with the firm for almost 35 years now. I serve as the Director of Equity Investments. I've worked in a lot of different capacities here at Crawford and we have a very good team. We have a very stable business. We have a very good business with $7.5 billion under management. We work with a combination of institutional investors, private clients, and financial institutions such as Orion and Brinker, which is where our dividend yield strategy is available. We're very proud of the continuity of our workforce, and we believe this fosters a very high level of client retention, which we're also very proud of. So we have In our research department for equities, we have a separate fixed income team, but for the equity research department, we have an eight-person team, including myself. We manage six investment strategies, which are all philosophically aligned. We have an experienced team of professionals, and we're a highly collaborative group. We all share a similar investment philosophy, and... We all work really hard and we have a good time together. So that's a good combination. Back to the investment philosophy that we share, this philosophy embraces the reality of uncertainty. The response to that is that we invest in very high quality securities across those six strategies, quality, income. These are factors that help narrow the range of outcomes and give ourselves a better chance for success, that quality In investing parlance means consistency and predictability, which we like. And what's unique about Crawford Investment Council is that we use the dividend as our initial indicator of quality. That's great. Well, we are definitely going to get into that a little further. But first, I want to ask David about your background. You're also on the equity team at Crawford, and you've been there since 2009. Can you tell us more about your career and what you do in your position today? Definitely. And this may be a little more than you wanted to know, but I actually grew up in a small town and always had an interest in money, including diving under vending machines and in front of uh, grocery carts. <laughs> but I was also intrigued by Black Monday, that infamous day back in 1987 when the market crashed. That was actually my senior year of high school and really mm-hmm. catapulted my interest in the markets. So I earned my undergraduate degree in accounting, followed by work at what was then a big six accounting firm before earning my MBA from the Darden Graduate School of Business at the University of Virginia. I had a successful tenure at a large mutual fund company right out of graduate school before making the move to Crawford Investment Council, as you mentioned, back in uh, 2009. Just reached a 25-year milestone for experience in investment management, which includes activity both as an analyst and a portfolio manager, which is actually my dual role here at Crawford. I'm a sector analyst following consumer staples and the telecom services sectors for all of our equity strategies. And I'm also the portfolio manager for our dividend yield strategy. That's great. Great. 
Well, first of all, I think we've discovered a new investment strategy, which is probably uncorrelated to traditional financial markets, and that is diving under vending machines. I think that's <laughs> really clever. The only thing is, though, they're now taking credit cards. So I bet that strategy has kind of lost a little mm. bit of its juice. But well, anyway, let's dive into the investment philosophy a little bit more. So understanding the dividends, of course, are really important to the philosophy because it's a first signal of quality and also going to the point that Investing is so much about uncertainty. And of course, dividends, assuming you've done the research and they're reasonably secure, probably reduces that uncertainty to some extent. Could you walk us a little more detail? How does dividend yield and income factor into your investment approach? Sure. So as John Crawford was mentioning, you know, quality and income are deeply rooted in each of the equity strategies that we have here at the firm. And as it relates to the dividend yield strategy, we are seeking an above average yield that is the priority and focus for the strategy, but it's not the only focus. We're also seeking total return. And yield is an input into the total return or the total shareholder return framework that we employ as a research department here at Crawford Investment Council. For each of the stocks that we're digging into, as we're doing the fundamental research, we're looking at what we believe to be the fundamental progress that the companies can make over the next three to five years both from revenue growth standpoint, as well as changes in margin, preferably improving, obviously, as well as other financial changes that may occur below the line as it relates to share repurchase and debt pay down, those sorts of things. But the dividend yield primary objective is high current yield with a competitive total return. And we're doing that through two different types of stocks. You have those stocks that maybe people are more familiar with or thinking of when they think of our strategy, which are those that have a high current yield. Those would be companies with naturally higher payouts, but are naturally growing slower and potentially have a lower total return. But we also like what we describe as opportunistic value names. Those are high quality companies that are temporarily out of favor. Perhaps there's a fundamental challenge or something that the company is trying to work through. So the stock price is down and the yield is up. And so we're looking for those opportunities where there's a catalyst for the fundamentals to improve, where we can earn the higher yield currently but also benefit from the valuation rising through time. And I really think, again, looking at those dividends and looking at the consistency and the quality of the companies that we're investing in does help to narrow the range of outcomes and give us an opportunity for success. Sounds good. So I did tease in the intro a little bit about performance this year. So how have this basic strategy performed, both short-term and long-term? And speaking of performance, what are sort of expectations moving forward? So I would say we're pleased with the results we've seen, both long-term and short-term. If you look uh, since inception and over a variety of time periods, the strategy has outperformed our primary benchmark, the Russell 1000 value, and has done so with less risk. Our beta during that time has been around 0.8. It's varied, but at around that level. Not only that, though, we've provided downside protection in various periods of decline, all while the strategy has been providing a yield of around 4% year in and year out. I guess further, if you're looking about that, think about our research team, our stock selection has been favorable, even when you consider it versus the opportunity set of higher yielding buckets. So we've been pleased with kind of how the performance has been. Near term or short term, if you look at the first half performance for 2022, the strategy has been slightly positive, actually, while the Russell 1000 value is down about 13% through June 30, and the S&P was down almost 20% through June 30 of this year. And that, Rusty, as you know, is while the 10-year Treasury moved up from 1.7%, it peaked at 3.5% in late 2Q, 
and still remains above 3% today. So we've been pleased with the performance. Yeah. As it relates to what's going forward, we're certainly hopeful that we can continue to provide that high current yield with a competitive total return. Our team has actually looked at a variety of data from the FAMA French data library, which is one of the more robust data libraries as it relates to the stock market. And when we go back and look at that, actually, higher yielding stocks actually did better in times of rising rates. So we don't know which direction interest rates are going, but the historical research suggests that these stocks and our type of strategy can perform well, both in an environment of rising rates, but also in the returns we've seen over the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I would imagine, given the strong performance of late, that many of your underlying securities have had a pretty strong run. So kind of related to that, what is your sell discipline? I would imagine it's probably where the dividends are starting to look, they get lower, or maybe they're insecure. But could you expand on what your sell discipline is? Definitely. I think you nailed it. So obviously, again, the primary objective being high current yield, which has been around 4% during the tenure of the strategy. And you kind of hit on the most common reason for us selling has been because the yield has been declining as the stocks are going up. And they end up kind of moving out of our sweet spot or our zone, if you will. Just picture a stock that maybe we purchased around the 4% dividend yield level. Let's pick a name like a genuine auto parts, if you will. We purchased that stock a couple of years ago when the yield was high, when there were some challenges to the business. Over the last couple of years, that stock was able to, the management was able to turn that business around or improve the fundamentals and the the performance of the business. And the stock has responded favorably. The valuation has re-rated and that yield dropped to below two and a half percent or somewhere around there. So that's a situation where we still like that company. The quality is very strong. They've been raising their dividend for I don't know how many decades, but the yield has become an anchor to the overall strategy or primary objective of that yield. So we did have to sell that. Similar to other strategies, we, you know, we do have a sell discipline if a thesis is believed to be no longer valid or if we have a more compelling investment opportunity. But for the most part, that's how we're looking at our sell discipline. Yep, that's great. Now, my next question is, I think you might have touched on it a little bit already, but what is the relationship between stocks with higher dividend yields and risk? And I mean risk, I can mean in a couple of different ways. We could be talking about you know, stock market risk when the market is choppy or moving lower. We could be talking about the risk of higher interest rates or any other risk that you might consider. So what is the relationship between high dividend yield stocks and risk? You're right. There are a number of different ways to think about that risk. Having already spoken about the market, I guess maybe speak to the stock and the individual companies. Again, we do agree with a number of academic studies that suggest that higher yielding stocks are an attractive area of the market to invest, which is why we do what we do. You know, the higher yield, as you're alluding to, does often suggest a higher risk to the dividend. We're not reaching for the highest of yields. We're looking to look for yield where it makes sense and where it's defendable. So the higher yield for those that are maybe the extreme edge within the market today often suggests there's operational challenges. There may be financial stress and that dividend is at risk. Often these are stocks that have a lower dividend integrity, as we would describe. So perhaps the management has initiated or paid a dividend, but is doing it for other reasons other than the the underlying business model, which supports the consistency, the quality of the cash flows, the ability to pay, to raise the dividend and sustain it over time. So we're very careful about not reaching for yield. 
And we're really looking within that opportunity set for the better, more higher quality businesses that we can look for. Now, that said, there are a number of stocks and businesses that are naturally designed for higher payouts and for higher yields, and that's quite fine. But we, through our investment process, both at the screening on the front end, but also during the fundamental research, look very carefully at the safety of that dividend. We're looking at the earnings consistency. We're looking at the dividend payout, not just of earnings, but of free cash flow that they can actually pay the dividend from. We're looking at leverage, and we're actually looking at the forward fundamentals of the business and what we think they're capable of generating. So what you find is when you focus on these companies with dividend integrity, the income helps in periods of market stress, the higher quality businesses, the strong balance sheets, the high returns, the predictable and consistent earnings, that all serves as a flight to quality when there's periods of market stress. And that's one of the reasons the downside protection has been so good. And so that dividend integrity manifests in what we call the dividend effect, which is a less volatile, uh, higher income, and very attractive total investment return. Yeah. Hey, Rob, I want to hug the ball for one more question. I'll give it back to you. So you mentioned all these different characteristics of looking at dividends, and I'm sorry if you kind of mentioned this, but so it sounds like your strategy, when I talk to other managers that do something similar, is they really put a heavy emphasis on the growth of the dividend. So do you prefer the yield, just a high current yield or the dividend growth? Well, Rusty, I guess the answer to that is yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that problem was it. No, so it's a combination of both. It's important. You know, the strategy's priority. The first focus is that high current yield, but we don't want to do that blindly and just be buying yields. We really are focused on a total return opportunity, which a dividend growing stock, as opposed to a dividend sustaining stock, both valid, both beneficial, the dividend growth can really help. So we are looking for stocks with high and preferably rising dividends. Now, every stock cannot fulfill every characteristic that we're looking for for the overall strategy. But when you put all the stocks together in the portfolio, I think we're getting the characteristics that we're looking for. So dividend growth helps mitigate what I would describe as kind of the perceived downside of fixed income surrogates, i.e. they may be influenced by interest rates. We don't believe that's the case, but that can mitigate that risk. And in aggregate, we believe that the yield plus the growth helps to moderate the volatility in the near term while adding to our total return prospects that John was referencing earlier. So I think that potentially increases our opportunities for success over the long term. All right. Well, I do want to ask one before we switch gears to some other topics here, but we've talked about your investment philosophy and a little bit about the culture of your firm, but I want to ask you more about that and really what makes you unique among value or dividend-focused managers? I think what some of the things that make us unique are, first off, the fact that we use the dividend as a quality indicator. If you think about it, dividends can't be restated. They can't be charged off. The price for cutting them is much greater than the benefit of increasing them. So dividends and quality are really joined at the hip, but most people don't think about it that way. So that's one of the things that makes us unique. I think the other thing that makes us unique is just our team-based structure we have in our research department. It's a highly collaborative group that gets along very well. As I said earlier, we all share the same investment philosophy. We don't always agree on everything, but there's a very high level of professionalism and respect. And it's a small, relatively small team. We all know we have to pull together and work hard and get to the right place. Our incentives are aligned and 
we have a good time working together. So I think that certainly makes the culture at Crawford somewhat unique and differentiated and certainly is why I think we've been able to produce very good results for our investors. That's great. All right. Well, I do want to get to some of our favorite questions that we like to ask our guests. And the first one is, considering all of your experience and the resources that you have at your disposal at Crawford and all the talent and the tools, how has this impacted how you personally invest for you and your family? Well, we foster a culture of ownership here at Crawford. We invest our own money the same way we invest for our clients. And so Everything I own is the same thing that we own for our investors here. I think it's a lot simpler that way, and it keeps me focused on what's important. And so, as we say down south, we eat our own cooking here. (laughs) Yeah, I would echo what John said. I mean, uh, I'm heavily invested in the dividend yield strategy, along with some other strategies here at Crawford, but in particular, the dividend yield strategy. It's where I spend the bulk of my time. Uh, it's a strategy I believe in, and so I want to be invested here. And uh, speaking of culture, one of the primary reasons I came to Crawford was a singular focus on dividends and quality and that long-term investment horizon, because that's what I believe in, and that's what we do here. Great. All right, so another question that we like to ask our guest is, in our profession, we all have an obligation to perform at a high level. It's just not professionally. Of course, it's for our families as well. So how do you maintain your health, both physical and mental, to ensure you're performing well? I already know part of the answer. Of course, it's singing. I think there's a <laughs> saying like, you may not sing if you're happy, but if you sing, you will be happy. So I know singing is part of it, but how else do you ensure that you're performing well? Well, try to take good care of ourselves and practice healthy habits and whatnot. I think there's a a balance and a rhythm to life. And so I try to keep that in perspective and maintain a fairly even keel. And I think that spills over into the discipline we bring to our investment process. The confidence we have in our philosophy also is another thing that anchors us to the to the just the conviction that we have in the way we invest and the companies we invest in. So, yeah, you have to set yourself up for success physically and mentally, but I also think the people you surround yourself with are a big impact on your fortunes. And I'm proud to say I've got a great team around me. Nice. Yeah. One of the things I love about this business, Rusty, is you're always learning, as you know, Mm-hmm. One way to stay fresh and high performing, I think, is what I would describe as diversification of learning. So, you know, whether that's traveling, whether that's bungee jumping, skydiving, <laughs> whether it's playing a strategy game with my boys at home, those are cool things. And, you know, I probably learned the most from my time mentoring youth. It's taken different form over the years, but spending time with them and also coaching my son's sports teams and chasing them around a bit. That's great. You learn how to scream in different ways on the bungee jumping, right? (laughs) Yes, you're allowed to scream in bungee jumping, but not while you're skydiving. Uh, (laughs) See, we just learned something new there. We did. (laughs) All right. Well, one more before we let you go. And that is, do you have any reading or other types of content recommendations for our listeners? Books, newsletters, podcasts, whatever you're taking in. Well, these guys on my investment team, they keep me pretty busy with the quarterly reviews and the new idea reports and everything else they produce. (laughs) I don't have a ton of time to read other things, but when I do, I enjoy reading about risk and human nature and behavioral biases and things of this nature. 
examples would be the Black Swan or Fooled by Randomness by uh, Nicholas Philippe. Great books. Yep. Yeah, I like reading some of John Vogel's books, Charlie Ellis, Investment Policy, and certainly the late Peter Bernstein, who was a noted Wall Street economist. He wrote a couple of really good books on risk that my dad passed along to me, and they've been really helpful. Yeah, I would just put a plug in for the Weighing Machine podcast. I mean, there because go. there are obviously uh, certain <laughs> books and classics that are worth going back to and rereading from time to time. So if your listeners have not read or have not read, you know, An Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham in a while, I would encourage them to go back and reread it. I like to check back in on that one from time to time. As you know, near term, the market does not care about the fundamentals, but long term, they matter. And uh, that's what we're striving for and focusing here every day at Crawford. Good stuff. All right. Well, this has been a great conversation. John, David, thanks so much for coming on the show. And tell us how can listeners stay in touch with Crawford and learn more about what you're doing? They can certainly go to our website at crawfordinvestment.com. We're happy to share any information or collateral that folks want. They can call us at 770-859-0045 and ask for Tom Dowd or Cameron Crawford. And we'd welcome any and all correspondence with our investors or their advisors, because we find that one of the things we can do is relate pretty well to people and our strategies tend to be down to earth and common sense oriented. So we're happy to articulate those or explain them at any chance we get. That's great. So we just have one final parting thought, if we may. Yeah. Sure. There's a dividend on the rise. <laughs> nice. I was going to ask for a song. You guys delivered. <laughs> hey, I actually have one comment and two more questions real fast. I mean, this oh, is fast. So, does. I know. So first of all, again, you guys like behavioral finance, and I know you're down in the Atlanta area. So our chief behavioral officer here at Orion is Dr. Daniel Crosby. You should meet him. Have him come mm. in your office. He's a great guy. He does a lot of cool stuff. I've seen him speak before. I had no idea he was in Atlanta. Yep, he's down in Atlanta. So, and the second thing is, and I don't know, I'm kind of hoping this is a bomb I'm throwing your way, but, you know, it is that time of year. So, I need two answers from each of you. We're talking college football. Who's winning the ACC and who's winning the SEC this year? (laughs) Well. Oh, good. It might be a bomb. I like it. There's no question who's winning the SEC. That's the (laughs) dogs. Vanderbilt. That's the dogs. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm a pretty big Georgia fan, so I'm biased on that. But uh, we'll be pulling for Georgia between the hedges this fall and think they got a decent shot. As far as the ACC goes, David went to Virginia, but uh, I'll say Virginia because I have to. But, uh, you know, that may be a little biased. I'll, I'll stick with the SEC. How about that? We'll just go for the dogs. Clemson's going to be tough to beat. Yeah, there you go. So I guess those are all pretty much predictable answers. So. I mean, I guess Georgia's due for another good season, right? So we hope so. Well, thanks, guys. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Rusty and Robbie. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this week. Rusty, take us out with your final words. Invest well and be well. We'll be back soon. Thanks for listening to The Weighing Machine. And thank you for your time and trust in Orion Advisor Solutions. The Weighing Machine is hosted by Rusty Vanneman, Chief Investment Strategist at Orion Advisor Solutions, and me, Robin Murray, freelance writer and editor. If you have feedback or questions about our podcast today, please send us a note at rusty at orion.com. 
All opinions expressed by Rusty Vanneman and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and don't reflect the opinion of or endorsement by Orion, its affiliate subsidiaries, and its employees. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for legal, tax, and investment decisions. The opinions are based upon information that participants consider reliable.